Welcome to episode three of the music edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Hope you guys have been enjoying these music editions of this podcast. At the time I'm recording this, it is Labor Day weekend, Friday, what day is it? I don't have the exact date, August the 31st. So it's um, really cool that I get a chance to finally record more of these podcasts. Especially now that I have been promoted since um, I last uh, recorded a couple of these podcasts. It gives me a lot more time to flex my time uh, when I do work the extra Saturday of the month that I'm required to work. Typically, a lot of people flex off the following Friday. So that's what I did. And it just so happens that it's Labor Day weekend. So get an extended four-day weekend for me. So... Um, like I said, I have a more flexible schedule, more time to do these podcasts. And I'm right now, we're actually in the process of moving out of the apartment. So when that process does take place, I think it'll be between now and in the next two months, we'll be out and, um, we'll probably, we will probably be renting slash leasing a house and hopefully I will have my own room so that I can record more of these podcasts because I do need that's what that's what I really need what I really need is space I need my own space that way I can record more solo shows shows on Skype have people over to record things of that nature this episode I wanted to be more freeform I just finished recording an hour episode for the regular edition of the podcast. So uh, it's funny how I'll just keep going and going. I don't really burn myself out. And when I reach that third episode is when I'm finally ready to call it quits. So for this edition of the, of the for this episode, I want to do more free form. I want to do more another top 10 to say the least. And I wanted to do one on my top 10 favorite Kiss albums. As many of you may know. And for those of you that don't know, I'm a huge Kiss freak, a huge Kiss fanatic. I have, I want to say I have most of their albums. There's still some that I'm lacking in uh, having the actual physical copy. But I love it. If Kiss, if I had to pick a band... To live and die for is it's Kiss. I have the Kiss poster in the living room. Uh, everything you can think of. I'm a huge Kiss fanatic, and I wanted to I wanted to break down my top ten favorite Kiss albums because they're not the typical top ten uh, Kiss album list that goes out. When I was writing this list out. I noticed that it, and I'm going to go in order. It doesn't go, I'm not going in order of least favorite to most favorite. It's just a, this order just works well for me because it actually goes in chronological order from 80 to 97. And that's not a very typical list that people have for Kiss because a lot of people, when they think about Kiss, they think about the 1970s Kiss. 
they forget about 80s kiss they forget about 90s kiss which is a lot of stuff that i grew up on so let's get started on this list first album on my list is unmasked released in 1980 if i have to say anything about this album this is the album that turned me on to kiss where i first discovered kiss a lot of people might not know about this album very very at the time at this at the time they did this album they were very they had already done i was made for loving you and the whole disco thing by the time they did this album they were more into power pop the music was more based off of power pop with the producer that they worked with at the time vinnie poncia he contributed a lot to the to the keyboards to the backing vocals and a, a lot of a lot of these tracks were done most of these tracks were done by paul stanley where he was playing he was playing a lot of rhythm guitar doing all the a lot all the vocals doing lead guitar on some songs bass guitar solos and I think the only one that's not credited in here is Peter Chris because he didn't actually play on the album. They had a session drummer, Anton Fig, play on the tracks. Unmasked man went. It a lot of a lot of songs with good hooks. Time and time again, I've heard the stories in the interviews with Ace Frehley saying that the album was a lot heavier than what it sounds as the final product. I think mainly had to do because of the addition of the keyboards and the the backing vocals and, you know, the pop uh, feel of of the music. I love Unmasked. I've been meaning to buy that album again because the one I have now, it's all scratched up. So my dad also has this on cassette, too. So the cassette's still around uh, in his collection. They were lacking... uh, in popularity here in the United States at the time, but overseas and Australia is mainly in Australia was when they they blew up. It was like Beatlemania for them all over again. <laughs> so we go from Unmasked to Music from the Elder. Now this was released in eighty one, nineteen eighty one. At the turnaround of this, from Unmasked to the Elder, Kiss tried going progressive at the time at this time they wanted and if oddly enough this was probably the only album they never did a supporting tour for they only did a promo appearances and promo videos and whatnot because they were still they were they had hot they got into a new drummer eric carr in the band um marked a really really uh drastic uh drastic uh, change in not only their image but the music they wanted to they wanted to trim down the image they end, they all end up getting haircuts their hair was short at the at that time if you go to google and look up kiss uh, music from the elder and images you can see what they looked like they all had short hair it's just, it's just strange <laughs> Um, 
like I said before, Unmasked was more pop-oriented. Um, music from The Elder was more progressive, more... We have progressive rock. They were trying to be like Rush. They wanted to gain that respect from, from the critics, mind you. Not just the fans, but the critics. They wanted to show you, yeah, you know, we can play these instruments. We can, we can, you know, make some good music. And they ended up hiring Bob Ezrin as a producer who had worked with them during the making of Destroyer. At the time, Bob Ezrin, I've read multiple accounts in various books, various Kiss books, that he was he was coked out of his mind. The cocaine was very prevalent, and it was very prevalent in the music too. There's a lot of lot of there's a lot of great moments in The Elder. Others, you know, there's not so much. Very good collaborative effort. Again, it's one of those albums that's highly underrated not very liked by the fans but as years have gone by they've played a couple songs here and there on the kiss cruises due to the due to the massive flop that became the elder kiss wanted to come back with creatures of the night the following year 1982 creatures is again by this point kiss was already like you'd say, they jumped the shark by this point because they figured, hey, you know, let's try to go back to, let's try to get heavy for this next album. You know, we we tried, we tried going light with Unmasked. We tried going progressive with The Elder. Let's go heavy metal with Creatures of the Night. And they did. But by this point, it was, it was already, they were dubbing it as the 10th anniversary of KISS. Ace Frehley was gone from the band, or was it set to leave already? They brought in the new guy, Vinnie Vincent, um, by Paul Stanley. I, when I was reading Paul Stanley's autobiography, he mentions in the, in in the book that the attendance for that tour was very abysmal, where they were playing the a crowd of two thousand people. That's like. You go from playing, let's say you go from playing, like, I, I try to compare it to nowadays. You you go from playing, I don't know, maybe the Astrodome or the NRG Stadium to playing joints like, not even Revention Center, but maybe like House of Blues and the Scout Bar. That's how bad they were. That's how bad people thought they were. And it's just mind-blowing to think that they were really bad here in the U.S., but when they went down to Rio and Brazil and all those other places, they were just selling out massive stadiums, soccer stadiums, football stadiums. Creatures is a really heavy album. It's very well noted that one of the key highlights of that album is the, the massive drum sound that Eric Carr got while when he recorded the album. And uh, a lot of drummers took a liking to it. You know, me being a, uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but a amateur drummer, it's a, man, I think every drummer would wish for a sound like that. I think even Tommy Lee tried to, you know, was rec- they were recording, uh, when they were recording, uh, what album? One of the Molly Cruz albums around that time. And they were touring with Kiss. 
he would always try to find out, hey, how do you, how are you getting, getting that big sound? That's a really big sound. Are you using effects or something? It's like, no, that's just the way that, that he drums. So Creatures of the Night, by that point, they Kiss was grasping at straws. They'd figured, you know, what are we going to do now? What's next for us to do? So they figured, you know, let's abandon the image. Let's take off the makeup. In comes in. In comes Lick It Up, 1983. And again, I'm going through this list chronologically. As, don't forget, I, I am going through this list. And I am listing them as my favorite albums. So it's, I'm not just running through the history of Kiss. <laughs> These are my favorite albums. Lick It Up was a very... Ret- like a return to form, a very more a more collaborative collaborative effort. Can't even. I'm over here jumbling my words. I've been talking too much for the last hour. It was a more collaborative effort by the band because it features all four members: Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Vinnie Vincent, and Eric Carr, working together as a unit on the music. I don't think did they have a producer for for that album. They probably did. Uh, let me see. Okay, Michael James, Michael James Jackson, who produced Creatures of the Night, worked with them on that album. But like I said, it was more a more collaborated effort with the band. I think that's probably the only album that features the band as a tight unit. Regardless of the issues that Vinnie Vincent was having in the band about him not signing the contract and being an official member of the band. A lot of good songs. They spawned. It was they were hitting right around the time MTV was coming out. They actually did the non-makeup reveal on MTV. One of the first few bands to do that. And this was right around the time MTV was just booming, and the MTV image people were going more for image rather than the music. So people started teasing their hair, putting on makeup, rogue makeup lip gloss, eyeliner, all that good stuff. <laughs> so that was quite quite a success. Still trying to keep up with the times Animalize comes out in 1984, which features the only appearance by lead guitarist Mark St. John, who has since has been has been passed away for the last uh he passed away about 10 years ago i think mm. right around this time uh, this album was heavily produced by paul stanley and a lot of it contributed to the fact that gene simmons was going off to hollywood to do movies and he was producing other bands managing other people and paul was just kind of left to his own devices trying to put this together. It's pretty much a Paul Stanley solo album featuring Mark St. John on lead guitar. I think they were they have worked with Desmond Child on a couple of songs, a very well-known producer and hit maker. But right around this time, Kiss figured, hey, we're trying to keep up with the times. What's the hottest thing right now. So Eddie Van Halen was hot at the time. Okay, let's get a guitar player who shreds just like Eddie, if not even better, or if he can, even better. 
So the the main uh that was the main theme for this album, based off of shred slash eighties flashy guitar playing, you know, Ingve Malmsteen's school of guitar acrobatics and flashy solos, things like that. Quit that quickly sound dated when you listen back to it now. A really good album to say the least. A lot of the sound for that album, Paul Stanley says they had to use a lot of EQs to take away that that Boston sound that the guitar that Mark St. John was getting because he was using that Rocktron effect that Boston has in their sound. So you'd hate to... I'm kind of curious to see how that sounds, to hear how that sounds. MTV was huge by 1985. When Asylum came out, the band was firing on all cylinders when it came down to the videos still trying to produce some hits uh by this point they brought in bruce kulik who from this point on lasted in the band for about a good solid 10 years again the band was still trying to keep up with the times a lot of it was image a lot of it was uh, the music you can hear it in the music too a lot of what Bon Jovi was doing at the time, or Poison, Wildly Crew. They were just taking a, a page off of that, making it their own. It took about two years before they did their next album, Crazy Nights. Now, this album, by 1987, Kiss started working with uh, with the new producer and for this album they kind of they took a different approach with what they were trying to do they were trying to they were trying to change their image and they had been experimenting for for quite some time after losing Ace Frehley and Peter Chris they were I guess you could say they were lost they were lost in the mix with all these other other 80 other bands from the 80s and their success was continued to decline and they were losing a lot of money when it came to touring and you think well Kiss you know this is such a big band but a lot of the behind the scenes that was going on regarding money and management it's crazy I mean it's very well documented in these Kiss books autobiographies um a lot of the lack of commitment Gene Simmons was having in the 80s for wanting to be a Hollywood producer and Paul Stanley's frustrations. So in turn, they, for this album, they wanted to bring an outside producer. A lot of the stuff they had been doing, they had been doing on their own. So they were, at times when you produce yourself, you tend to repeat yourself. And that's why having an outside producer really helps. Um craft what you're trying to go for maybe even better in in a sense producers can ultimately not all the time but they can make you better they can bring the the best out of you whereas you you might be doing something like well you know this song sounds good but you know a producer can maybe make it sound better a lot of, he can find a lot of things that you might not be able to hear so they looked for 
they work they started working with this producer named Ron Nevison. Uh he was very well known in the music business and had a lot of success producing platinum albums for Hart and Ozzy Osbourne. So he had he was already it was kind of like I don't want to say comeback albums but he would help them he would help their careers, you know, get re-energized and re uh popularized or whatever you would call it. He'd get them back back in the mix. So when it came to it, Kiss wanted more commercial success. So that was the main goal for this album. And mind you, they did. Um, a lot of work was still done with Desmond Child. MTV was still running hot. A lot of what this album featured was uh, keyboards. A lot of radio airplay. A lot of work was put in, in these albums. A lot. But did it manage to captivate the audience? Maybe audiences at the time. Probably not their diehard fans from the 70s. Because they had a lot of hits. So Kiss figures, why not return to our roots, our hard rock roots, with Hot in the Shade in 1989. I love this album. I, it's one of the few that I can listen to from beginning to end for Kiss. I remember I first bought this album on... Well, I'll take that back. You know, I, I first bought the album on cassette at Trader's Village 10 years ago. It was one of those rare hidden gems that I found, along with Asylum on cassette as well. It was one of those albums that I can put on and enjoy listening to. A lot of criticism that it got was there was a lot of filler on that album. But when we go back to looking at the work, more work was done with Vinnie Poncia, Michael Bolton, a lot of outside producers, Desmond Child, 89... You're at the height of Bon Jovi. You're at the height of MTV. You're at the height of everything. And I think this this is probably the last out. This is the last album to feature Eric Carr on drums. Eric Carr sadly passed away in 1991 from heart cancer. And this last album features. I think this features the band as a cohesive unit once again even though there was a lot of outside producers and musicians working on it. Hot in the shade, man. After Eric Carr's passing, Kiss hired former Black Sabbath drummer slash Lita Forge slash... Who else did this guy play with? Alice Cooper. Uh, drummer Eric Singer monster drummer more I guess you could put in Peter Chris and Eric Carr mix them together you get Eric Singer more technical drummer more precise drummer whereas Eric Peter Chris was more swing slash jazz style 
Eric Carr was more into John Bonham type of drumming, heavy drumming. Eric Singer is just a culmination of all those. And they recorded Revenge, which at the time the band, you could say, was having a midlife crisis because this is almost the band uh, coming full circle. They brought, they brought back Vinnie Vincent to co-write a couple songs. They worked with Bob Ezrin as a produ- uh, for producer. 1982, this was around the time Metallica was just uh, blowing up on the scene. Grunge was coming into the mix with Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. So the the heavy the heavy metal sound is there again. You could say it's rock slash metal. The album could have done. I think the tour could have done a lot bigger. Let's just say the album could have done a lot bigger, had the band not taken time off to work on their personal lives. You know, people were having kids and stuff like that. The album actually debuted at number six. It's amazing. Like I said, it could have done a lot better. Last but not least, that goes into my 10th uh, and final favorite Kiss album. Carnival of Souls, The Final Sessions, released in 1997. I love talking about this album. A lot of people, a lot of casual fans might not know. And for those that do know, they just plain ignore it. Because this album, this is an interesting one because this is the final album that Bruce Kulick played guitar on, that Eric Singer played drums on, and the last album of the non-makeup lineup before the the original reunion with uh, Ace Frehley and Peter Chris. This album was recorded, it was actually recorded in 19, from 1995 to 1996. So it was recorded way before they got back together with Ace and Peter. But was not released until 1997. What ended up happening was this album was heavily bootlegged right before it actually got properly released. And I mean, this album, I bought this CD when I was in college. I'd say about maybe 10 years ago. And this album is a huge departure for the band. Kiss was well known for, I mean, if you know Kiss, you know what they're well known for. This was Kiss trying to out Nirvana Nirvana or out try to do out do Metallica they favored more they wanted to be more dark more grunge oriented in their sound a lot of people hate it you know I hey I love the album this is Kiss they I've read in a I read in a book uh, Eric Singer says that at the time they were listening to a lot of what was going on on the, in the radio at the time with Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, a lot of that. You can hear 
a lot of that influence in this album. Did it work? I mean, they had one hit. If I think if they would have properly toured it, had the original reunion not been in that mix in their minds, I think it could have they could have had a a good run touring with bands like Alice in Chains, like Nirvana, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots. That'd be interesting to to see. A lot of this was done. Bruce Kulick, the lead guitarist, worked a a lot on this album. Gene Simmons was he just wanted to be grunge so bad. He's he was very notorious for trying to keep up with the times and Paul Stanley was just he was he plain said it in his autobiography, look, that's not what we're about. How are we gonna be singing about doom and gloom when we're right when we're living in our mansions and riding around in our, you know, very expensive sports cars and we're loaded with money. How are you going to be singing about that? <laughs> Again, you can say it's, it was a fad. Uh, trying to keep up with the times. The music's good if you're really if you're really looking for the music, it's really good aside from all that. So, that's just a brief overview of my favorite top 10 favorite Kiss albums. I will be doing a lot more of these podcasts, going more into debt and talking about bands, concerts, albums, um, music styles, different rock styles, things of that nature. I can easily do a whole episode on just one Kiss album, on this Kiss album, matter of fact, Carnival of Souls. I don't really have a least favorite on here, but if I do come up with something, I'll let you know. (laughs) Again, Kiss is one of those bands that has done it all. And they brought it back full circle when they reunited with the original members and they're still touring to this day. So if that doesn't say anything about this band, I don't know what does. Again, if you enjoy listening to this episode and want to listen to more episodes feel free to check out my channel on youtube i think and i I really want to get this right i should i should be more well prepared and actually write this stuff down on my put it on my phone at least to write it down on paper but you can find my youtube channel you can find my channel on youtube if you could just search search in the hangout podcast and you get all subscribe to my channel you can follow me on Twitter, Juan underscore A underscore H. I know my full name was taken. I'm sorry. Some other Juan Hernandez already beat me to the punch. Hopefully I can get verified one of these days, if possible. Well, you can follow, if you're list, like I said, if you're listening to this, you already have me on Facebook, Instagram, follow my Twitter, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and hope to see you next time.